you have just time traveled at the approximate rate of 60 seconds per minute, 60 minutes per hour, 24 hours per day, you have crossed into a new year. As per usual, to start our 2023 season of Lorehaven's Fantastical Truth podcast, we will review the top 10 articles, news, and pages at lorehaven.com throughout the year of 2022. Welcome back to a new season of Fantastical Truth. This is the podcast from lorehaven.com in which we explore fantastical stories for God's glory and apply their meanings to the real world. I'm E. Stephen Burnett, Lorehaven's publisher. I'm also the co-author of a book called The Pop Culture Parent, and I am setting new reading goals for this year. Actually, I tried to get ahead of the New Year's resolutions thing a few months ago so that I didn't end up with that New Year's resolution failure stigma. This is episode 143, which top 10 Lorehaven stories proved most popular in 2022. Zachary Russell, my co-host, is still on the road for the holidays, yet he is pulling editing duty for this episode and should join us for our next episode. Folks, how did your Christmas go? It's still the Christmas season as I'm recording. If you do the whole 12 days of Christmas thing, I think that lasts until January the 5th. So that's as good an excuse as any to keep up the trees and fail to put away all of the used wrapping paper. I still have some candy left over from my stocking stuffers, and you might as well. We'll go through a few of those for our concession stand, actually. Uh, we have some cinnamon rolls every Christmas morning at uh, my house. Uh, we also make these uh, kind of sausage and cheese uh, ball-shaped uh, confections that we really enjoy every uh, Christmas Day morning. And we just made a new batch, actually, as I'm recording uh, to celebrate the New Year's. But let's go over some other tasty concessions. Uh, some of the topics in our top 10 articles, stories, news items, pages, whatever at Lorehaven, some of those, just so you know, deal with some uh, sensitive subject matter. And that's a side effect of articles uh, that uh, focus on some more controversial topics. Those articles just tend to be the most popular articles. And if we're trying to be positive, if we're trying to do more candle lighting than darkness cursing here at Lorehaven, uh, then the articles that go the most viral for being controversial uh, are a, uh, a bug, not a feature. Uh, we're not trying to be controversial clickbait artists here, but the fact is those articles get popular. So examine your own heart about why that is. Uh, because we've got 10 of these, by the way, I will try to go more quickly through this show, especially because it's just me. Uh, hopefully I can just enter the speed force there uh, and get it done within an hour or so. And uh, as per usual, when we've done these top 10 shows before, uh, for these stories, we're going to go in reverse order. So we'll do the number 10 first and then uh, end with the number one, which wouldn't be too surprising uh, for uh, this website, at least. First, however, let's stop by our ongoing sponsor. The top sponsor for Fantastical Truth is Oasis Family Media. Their new book is coming out just within a matter of days of this episode. It is Silver Bounty, a pirate fantasy for young adult readers from Victoria McCombs. Here's the description for that volume. It's actually book two in the series. Never trust a pirate. Emmy is tasked with getting rid of the king, but kings are not an easy target. And this one is bent on purging his lands of pirates. As Emmy's job becomes increasingly dangerous, she learns to survive the pirate way, cunning and merciless, while consoling herself with one fact, she's just doing what it takes to get home. But when Emmy mistakenly takes out the wrong man, not even the protective pirate captain can save her from the consequences. In a string of betrayals, one thing is certain, you can never trust a pirate. This is book two of the Royal Rose Chronicles from Enclave Publishing by author Victoria McCombs. It is available starting next Tuesday, January the 10th from Enclave Publishing. Get all the links in our show notes. 143 is this episode number or go and get even more at lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. All right, we've snacked on concessions. Uh, we've tributed the ongoing sponsor. And now let's go to the 10th most popular item, most popular element of content at the lorehaven.com website. The 10th most popular one was a podcast episode 126 back in August of this year. How can we respond with grace and truth to Christian cringe? That one featured our guest, uh, Kevin McCreary of the Say Goodnight Kevin YouTube channel. Maybe you've heard about that one church that just did a Christian version of the musical Hamilton and, of course, got criticized by the creators and savaged by secular media. Or maybe last Easter you heard about the other church that did a Christian version of Avengers, just as they have adapted or parodied other fantasy franchises. 
Christian cringe. Most of us have grown up seeing the controversial art our brothers and sisters keep making for the sake of evangelism or entertainment. How can we be truthful about these controversial cringe attempts while also being gracious in Christ and faithful to his beloved saints? Today, we are joined by a surprise guest who has seen a lot of Christian cringe. Of course, I just gave away the surprise already there. It was Kevin McCreary of the Say Goodnight Kevin YouTube channel. This was a really fun episode. I've been uh, keeping track of Kevin's work for many years. I'm a big fan. I don't think we even mentioned his uh, ongoing roasts of a Christian directive VHS or DVD series called Donkey Ollie, featuring a donkey named Ollie and dubious interpretations of biblical events mixed and match uh, in order to make uh, Ollie the star, uh, him of these uh, weirdly uncanny valley eyes. And Kevin just has a great time uh, roasting this strangeness. I think it's up to eight or ten videos now. It became kind of his ongoing uh, Halloween special. This was an episode I, of the kind I want to do every once in a while, but you could make this into a cottage industry, laughing at Christian movies. Uh, and we don't want to do that. It's definitely a part of the job description. If you're going to focus on great stories, great fantastical stories by Christian authors, you've got to admit there are some bad ones out there. It's just simple honesty there. Uh, honesty, I think, of the type scripture calls us to practice. But I would say that this kind of episode is the exception and not the rule. And yet it is the exception that gets really, really popular. So we're going to continue to keep these on more of the rare side, but it is something that is kind of fun to do. I think from a position of hopefully maturity, uh, we did hear some uh, from fans after this episode. Well, they weren't fans of this episode. Uh, there were some particular Christian movies uh, that we uh, were poking some hopefully affectionate fun at uh, that also got us some criticism, which is perfectly fair. Absolutely fair especially if you're not talking about the execution of a particular movie, the way that it's done, and you're actually uh, spoofing or making light of the spiritual themes that this story was attempted, I can understand how that might rub some folks the wrong way. So that is, again, part of the job hazard and something that we want to be careful about going forward. But altogether, great episode. Really enjoyed it. Uh, Kevin, if you're listening, uh, let's do it again sometime. Uh, number nine on this list was actually a, a regular page of the website, so not an article with a date on it. Uh, it's actually a new feature that we added about this time last year, the Lorehaven Guild. I'll read further from that page. All these links, by the way, of course, uh, in the show notes. Number nine here. The Lorehaven Guild serves a community of heroes who gather to celebrate Christian-made fantastical fiction with delight and discernment. These stories include, but are not limited to, fantasy, science fiction, and beyond. Heroes of the Guild will explore their favorite creative works in these genres. We will focus on Christian-made stories, yet occasionally include general market books. Guild heroes can join monthly main quest parties that travel into the fantastical worlds of new books. We will explore these stories, beauty, goodness, and truth, and their opposites, applying their meanings to the real world of our ultimate author. Heroes can also join occasional side quest parties that travel into other books, such as older Christian-made stories or general market novels. Uh, real quick, I want to insert, we haven't done any side quests yet. We're now a full year into doing monthly book quests, so we've got 12 of them now that you can uh, look at. In the Lorehaven Guild, I saw someone actually just recently uh, posted that they went back and they finished the July book quest for George McDonald's Fantasties, and I think that's great. Uh, even if a quest is ended, people can still join and look at the notes there, kind of join the discussion, maybe get it started back up again, even while we have an ongoing book quest. So maybe those older quests can count as side quests. Anyway, back to my text here. How to join the Lorehaven Guild. That's important. Subscribe free to Lorehaven. We will send you the exclusive invitation link. Then use the Discord app or your browser to enter the Lorehaven Guild. Once inside the Guild, you can browse the Lorehaven Sacred Scrolls Faith Statement. This one only applies to Lorehaven staff creators. Then you'll sign off on the Code of Honor. This one applies to all Guild members. And there's more on the page encouraging people to enjoy the uh, castle setting that we have at the Guild, all in our imaginations, of course. You get to world build uh, the Guild, even if it's not writing. It's not a writer's community. Is it, a, it is a book fan's community. And our most recent book uh, was actually, oh, what was that here? Oh, that's right. It was uh, Sharon Hink's novel, Dream of Kings. Uh, we just ended that one right before Christmas. We got some great quest leaders there uh, doing their great work, uh, coming up with questions for these quests. Our next one I'm actually hosting on Monday, January the 9th. We begin our next book quest for C.S. Lewis's novel, Prince Caspian. I do regard that as book two of the Chronicles of Narnia series. We can debate publication versus chronological order in there if you like. But it's a very martial story, uh, a little bit of a darker take on Narnia. And uh, as a result, some people think that it's a lot slower 
than the first book of the Septet uh, that we explored this time last year, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But I think there's some great things in this story. It has definitely grown on me, uh, especially these themes of restoration and things not happening the same way twice. We're also going to ask what in the world is going on with these pagan figures like Bacchus and Silenus and all these weird creature transformations and all these Greek critters dancing around. And then the river turns to wine and there's a river god in everything. I think of the Chronicles of Narnia. Prince Caspian feels the most heathen. And yet there are some things C.S. Lewis is doing there that I think help us to worship Jesus Christ, our king, the only true God, uh, more than any of these other made up characters. And Lewis was definitely on the side of that gospel belief, and it comes through in his story. Uh, just within the last few weeks in the Guild, uh, we've been making some other improvements, just uh, simplifying some of the topics in there. Uh, for example, we recently opened an expanded uh, studio space to discuss the behind the scenes of the podcast. So if you're interested in participating and putting together these shows, you'll find that there. Uh, we also have a new media room uh, that does a lot more exploring for these more general market fandoms. Uh, you may have noticed, uh, with one or two exceptions in the articles I mentioned today, uh, Lorehaven actually hasn't had a whole lot of articles about uh, secular fandoms. And that's partly, I think, because we want to be more positive. And as you may see in our next podcast episode, there's been a lot of negative fandom news this year. Maybe it's just me, uh, but I know that at least for my part, there were just not a whole lot of fandoms going on that I felt like we could discuss positively. Uh, on fantastical truth uh, it was gonna be a complaint you know we weren't gonna be all clickbaity about it but it may have been difficult to resist that temptation anyway this space here is our attempt to kind of get back in that space and go hey guys you know, like uh, avatar lest airbender uh anybody who's uh, still watching doctor who or remembers uh the uh, the new doctor who or the classic doctor who yeah come on in here Let, let's have a fandom hangout you know let's talk about the things to discern in these stories but also the things to enjoy so more going on at the Lorehaven uh, Guild. Just go to lorehaven.com and you can find the quests menu there to learn about the book quests and figure out how to join the Lorehaven Guild on Discord. Number eight on the list. Now, this is another one of those controversial ones. And actually, <laughs> that was the pop culture one I mentioned earlier. This was a guest article from author W.S. Fulgerson back in April. It was titled, Fast and Furious Movies Prove That Fantasy Can Become Propaganda. And I'll encourage you to go read the article with as fair as a perspective as you can. It is a more negative take uh, on the idea in these movies, which, by the way, I personally have not seen. So there's probably a lot more positive stuff going on that I know about, even while they're trying to be over the top, goofy, ridiculous action stuff with streetcars and going to space and all this. I'm just familiar with the memes. So for my part, I personally am not the person to engage these stories because I haven't seen them. I'm, I'm only familiar with the meme version. Anyway. The article started off with this pitch. We're family, the famous street racer claims of his friends, but this idea actually subverts the biblical beauty of God-given adoption. That's from the article, and it was pretty controversial. That's why I landed on the top 10. Uh, generally, if folks think that an article is coming after something they believe or maybe erring too much on the side of negativity, uh, it's going to get shared a lot more. This one got a lot of comments. Uh, it proved very controversial, probably the most controversial article we've had this year. And again, that's kind of the job hazard of uh, making a more critical piece about popular culture. So it's something that we have been doing only occasionally uh, at Lorehaven, uh, even though our main purpose is to draw attention to great and excellent Christian-made fantastical stories. But lots of people also enjoy uh, movies like this. And, you know, we're not trying to be separatists. We're not trying to do the whole Christian alternative thing. Uh, so it's uh, good to find that balance. Uh, this one actually, I uh, will say, led to some uh, discussion behind the scenes among our creative team. Like, how, how do we want to handle pop culture criticisms, if any, uh, going forward at Laura Haven? You know, what's our policy uh, for dealing with those kinds of topics? What's the ratio of emphasizing Christian-made books uh, versus secular books, for example, especially because, like I said, we don't want to do that whole thing uh, where we're just ignoring the secular market and acting like uh, only Christian-made books are the good books, because that's, that's just not correct. Uh, we did have a response article afterwards from another guest author, H.L. Uh, Burke, uh, and it was called Found Family Stories Can Reflect Christ's Redemption in Reality and Fiction. So together, I think both of those guest articles uh, from, from outside the main Lorehaven staff writers, by the way, uh, those provide, I think, a balanced perspective on the negative uh, uh, applications of the found family trope, 
uh, and certainly the positive applications, especially given the fact that, as Heidi points out in that piece, you know, Christ has adopted his children. Uh, we are all considered sons in that original uh, language way. You know, women and men alike have the rights and privileges of sons, uh, who, as the Apostle Paul says in the book of Romans, uh, can now call out to God and cry, Abba, Father. Uh, it's a beautiful truth, and it's something that we've got to keep in mind when we're dealing with you know, adoption or any of those sensitive issues like that. Uh, that's revelatory about human nature that this one was really controversial. Uh, the, like I said, the controversial pieces uh, get the most clicks, and I'm not judging. I feel the same way. I'm trying to do better, but it's just how it is with articles on the Internet. Uh, we do, however, uh, want to avoid intentional clickbait at Lorehaven. Uh, because, like I said, I think, uh, yeah, if you, we really want to do that uh, light the candle thing uh, over and above uh, discerning the darkness, not cursing the darkness, because Christians are not supposed to curse, uh, but we want to discern the darkness when we are called to do so. However, I think that that is something that we do as a side quest on our main mission of proactively glorifying God uh, by embracing stories and other things that help reflect truth, goodness, and beauty. With this article, we did learn, uh, as if we didn't know before, that a lot of people have understandable sensitivities about complex family issues. Uh, families are messed up, folks. Like even uh, the families that you'd think would be really, really nice families based on some 1950s archetype. Uh, there's secrets, uh, there's dysfunctions, uh, there's exes running around out there. Uh, there are different structures and different ways that God does in his providence form families in a broken world. And I, I think this is especially true of even uh, our listeners, because we are a Christian podcast and we do emphasize things like imagination. That attracts a certain type of uh, fan of fantastical stories. And a lot of folks, a lot of you all, uh, have backstories with uh, culturally conservative backgrounds. I'm just not sure how else to say that. Uh, I don't mean you're a legalist, you're a fundamentalist, any of that stuff, but most of us are familiar with that mode of growing up. Uh, and so it calls for some caution when we're criticizing the whole found family idea, because some people have a biological family that comes with a lot of associated hurt, and a lot of people have uh, found families uh, that comes with a lot of healing. So that's something to keep in mind when reading both of these articles. Now, there's no justification for sin or misreading or anything like that uh, but i think it does give us some great reasons for sensitivity when we talk about family issues so do pray for us at laura haven uh when we talk about these things we want to be as biblical as possible uh, but also want to be as uh, sensitive as possible one might even say uh, that this topic is as dangerous as a dragon which leads me into our second sponsor for this episode it is a novel fantasy novel with a boss cover featuring a crown and fire and swords crossed and everything it's rachel a greco's novel the gift of dragons the fate of two species rests on the tip of a dagger ever since the Gendelians murdered her sister adelaide has plotted a rebellion to overthrow the king and prince who failed to protect them during the attack following her across the country is a stranger not just any stranger but the prince she's hoping to overthrow and Adelaide's plans begin to collapse. But Prince Elias has his own dangerous secrets, secrets connected to the dragons that once lived in the land. If he can't earn Adelaide's trust, there may never be any peace for Adelaide, her people, or the dragons. There are links to this at our show notes, lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors as well. We have the Gift of Dragons there. If you scroll down a little bit after this week, there's also links to get a signed copy direct from the author, paperbacks and ebooks, and an endorsement from Kirkus Reviews. So get all that uh, link, a uh, single link in our show notes for episode 143 or at lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. All right, let's go back to our top 10 uh, going pretty quickly here. I think I'm doing pretty well here, not dragging this out too long. Uh, this will be the numbers seven, six, and five on that top 10. So going three, three, and four separated by the podcast sponsors here. Perfect lead in to a pitch for Lorehaven. Uh, kind of already touched on that because our seventh most popular page was the subscribe to Lorehaven page. Thank you all. You have made this Lorehaven.com publisher very happy. Pretty easy to find that one, Lorehaven.com slash subscribe. That gets you whatever updates you choose whenever we put out uh, articles, about two or three a month, uh, podcasts every Tuesday, Lord willing, book reviews every Friday, Lord willing. And then something I will say we're hoping to do more of this year, again, uh, Lord willing. 
uh, is more uh, news items, news items like the one that you'll see coming up here at number five, actually a late uh, arrival that we had this year that ended up already on the top 10 because it was news, it was trendy, it was hitting, uh, and it was fascinating. So go to thehorizon.com slash subscribe, uh, choose your updates. And then, of course, as I mentioned earlier, you can get that invitation to join the exclusive Lorehaven Guild. Number six on this list is uh, kind of a, well, probably here because it was trending. And again, that is one of those more um, uh, discernment-oriented pieces about popular culture that I mentioned. This is from a guest writer, my friend uh, Mike Duran, uh, who wrote back in February this article called, here's some clickbait. I'll admit it. I help write the headlines. And I think that clickbait can be used to the glory of God. But I like a clever clickbait that uh, presents a stark mental image, uh, not just uh, outrage speak. You won't believe what happens next. You know, they don't want you to know. Amazon rings of power promos threaten to burn Middle Earth in the fires of industry. Yeah, I kind of wanted you to hear uh, the late Sir Christopher Lee saying that headline. Don't know whether he would agree with this perspective, but this is an excerpt from Mike's article a month before the show came out. And we didn't talk a whole lot about the show. I think you heard uh, Rillian and I uh, doing some mentioning of it uh, a few episodes ago in our uh, podcast episode about uh, the Hobbit movies. Here's what Mike wrote. The studio's teaser trailer and fake superfans video appropriates J.R.R. Tolkien's canon and the goodwill of fans. So that was the pitch. That's what he thought. Here's an excerpt from the article itself. And again, he wrote this back in February. So if you've seen the show since and you liked it, maybe you disagree with this. Maybe you've seen the show and you feel that Mike was on to something. Here's what he said. A good example of this disregard may be a YouTube video uploaded by Amazon Prime Video UK entitled Lord of the Rings Superfans Review, The Rings of Power Official Teaser Trailer. The video consists of four 20-somethings gushing over the trailer. What are they so excited about? Well, one of the superfans squeezed that Sauron is hot. Another foresees that this series, unlike Peter Jackson's trilogy, will pass the Bechdel test by having two women speak to each other about something other than men. Okay, I got to comment on that really quick because there's a meme going around that the only time anybody in the Lord of the Rings films talks, uh, anytime a woman talks to another woman about anything, it's, I think, uh, what is it? I think when Eowyn is talking to the child that she's uh, rescued from the burning of the villages in Rohan, I'll just note that they're not talking about a man there, so that at least Two Towers passes the test. Okay, now before I end up in the swamps surrounding Mordor, I'm going to keep going with what Mike actually said, and then Mike can take all those burning arrows from critics of this article. All right, uh, yet their predominant praise heaped upon the trailer was that the series is apparently making a push toward ethnic diversity. They reached this conclusion because the trailer features a black elf and a black dwarf, ethnicities never before featured in either the source material or the Jackson trilogy. This effort by the creators to represent more minority characters gave one panelist hope that as a queer disabled person, she may one day see people like herself represented in Middle Earth. Apparently, Amazon's new superfans see Tolkien's epic mythology as simply a vehicle for diversity and inclusion. Its themes of courage and camaraderie, the temptation of power and devotion to the land are now subsumed by themes of gender and ethnic representation. All right, that's the excerpt there. You can get the rest of Mike's article, all the links in the show notes. But Stephen, but Stephen, don't be a coward, Stephen. Don't run from the battlefield, bro. What do you think about the Rings of Power? Okay, I didn't write this in my notes, but uh, from the heart, I'm going to say a few things. I did not see the show. I don't subscribe to Amazon Prime. Uh, I'm also not subscribing to Netflix. And uh, as of today, I'm going to get rid of HBO Max for reasons I may describe in our next podcast episode. I think the only thing left that we've got <laughs> may be uh, Angel Studios for The Chosen, which you don't even have to really pay for technically, although you really should because it's a great show, uh, and Crunchyroll because anime. I don't think we have, oh, oh Paramount Plus, yeah, because we're watching the Deep Space Nine reruns, uh, my wife and I. Uh, and uh, Strange New Worlds is pretty good. Uh, so there's some good stuff happening out there in popular culture. And I guess Top Gun Maverick is on there too. And I need to see that. But I did not see Rings of Power. Um, I just was not interested uh, based on some of the early reviews. However, my lack of interest was less to do with any of the politically motivated or related um, accusations here. 
uh, or or what's going on with the marketing. Like, and, and by the way, I do agree with Mike here. Uh, this video was a bad video. It was just not how you market any kind of fantasy show, any kind of franchise, really, but certainly not one as acclaimed as Middle Earth, you know, associating with Tolkien uh, with these modern ideas, no matter what you think about them, uh, simply has nothing to do, nothing to do uh, with the ethos, with the themes of Middle Earth. And according to people I know and respect who watched the show and liked the show, uh, it didn't have anything to do with the show either. Like they may have had uh, uh, some people who look different playing the characters, but that I think is among the least concerns you can do about the show. My, uh, my lack of interest was simply based on, well, first, it is inarguable that they collapsed uh, Tolkien's time span uh, from the Second Age. Uh, that is just something that was inevitable for making the show. Uh, of course, that happened in the films as well. You know, Gandalf leaves Frodo in the Shire. He uh, gallops off to research the history of the One Ring. Uh, and then in the books, you know, Frodo goes from being in his 30s to his 50s, uh, whereas in the movie, you know, it's uh, Gandalf's away for the span of a few minutes. And for all you know, it was just a few weeks later uh, that he returned to the Shire. That's just movie stuff. Uh, I'm not sure that that is the same thing as a TV show uh, that is coming up with uh, some different perspectives on how Galadriel could have behaved. Uh, there's, a, there's a world-breaking thing, I think, that happens there when you have a more egalitarian view of warfare. Uh, that is something that I, I think a lot of fans can get over, but personally, I can't. Uh, not because, oh no, it's a bad idea and I disagree with it, but because they don't even address it. Uh, let me give you a quick example. I got to move on from this, but let me give you a quick example. Uh, in the Hobbit films, uh, the ones that are not as bad as people say, but that still have some really, really bad moments. Like I actually muted some dialogue once because it's the holiday season and I don't have to deal with that. If this is love, I don't want it. I muted that. I muted that. And my wife and I are groaning and rolling our eyes at the ceiling and uh, kind of reassuring one another through body language that neither one of us is responsible for this. That's how cringe it was. Okay, but there's some good stuff too. And one of the good things is it's very clear uh, that a Bard, they fleshed him out, they have gave him a family, Bard the Bowman uh, from Lake Town, who ends up, uh, spoiler alert, uh, being the king of Dale. Uh, he is very clear that the men are ordered to the front lines to fight and the women and children are ordered to take shelter. The women, the children, and the wounded. Now, you may not agree with that. Uh, you may associate that with some tragic backstory stuff, and I mean this in earnest, uh, where treating a woman like that is a sign of disrespect. The question then becomes, is that what Tolkien meant? Uh, is that what you ought to get out of his view of it? No, Tolkien is, regardless of his own views, and Tolkien had a very high view of women, Tolkien is reflecting this medieval view of chivalry uh, that he's trying to capture in Middle Earth. Something like that makes it feel like olden times. It makes it feel fantastical makes it feel like a, an ancient history that this uh, British professor of literature and ancient languages just happened to get a hold of. Once you remove that, it doesn't feel like Middle Earth anymore. It almost feels like you've left a Starbucks cup on the table and nobody even went back to paint it out uh, in future versions of the show. It's such a modern addition. And to me, that's, uh, that's more modern uh, than casting an elf of Kohler or something like that. Like I can, I can get used to that pretty easily. Uh, especially because, uh, actually, I will say Peter Jackson went there first. Peter Jackson showed dwarf women. People just pretended that he hadn't. He showed them very clearly, uh, not only in the Gloin's uh, locket uh, that he shows to Legolas. I forget if that's in the extended edition of the um, uh, Desolation of Smaug movie, number two. But he shows dwarf women uh, in Dale uh, during the glory years of Erebor, uh, the lonely mountain that was colonized by the dwarves who had their mines and gold inside. So Peter Jackson did it first. And then in Lake Town, it's only a few glimpses here and there, but you see people of different nationalities in Lake Town, uh, not just uh, white people talking with Welsh accents. Uh, it works. It holds together, I think, because Lake Town is presented as like kind of this frontier town in Middle Earth. It's like in the far northeast, uh, right alongside a, a wasteland, if I recall my map correctly. And it just makes sense that there'd be people of different ethnicities there. Whereas if you're doing a kind of a European type world in the other parts of Middle Earth, at least for the movies at the time, it makes sense that you would have folks all basically look the same uh, melanin-wise. All right, I'm going to get out of the, uh, the dark forest here, uh, lest we all go mad and start spinning around in circles. Point is, I think Mike was onto something with the marketing. The show itself, I think, is mixed at best. 
if you watched it, I'm really glad. And, and you liked it. I'm really glad you liked it. I'm not going to rain on someone else's fandom. Believe me, I've been a DC fan, uh, Snyder, uh, Zack Snyder's DC movies fan in the month of December. I know how that feels. I'm not going to make you feel that way if I can help it. Anyway, go check out the article. See what you thought about it. Let's move to number five here. I knew I'd get stuck on that one. I just knew it. It's because it's Middle Earth and we've been watching the Middle Earth films and I love the films, even the Hobbit films, um, uh, even the bad parts, uh, Doctor, especially the bad parts. <clears throat> no, I don't love the bad parts. All right. Number five here is the news article I talked about earlier. Uh, pretty recent, actually, uh, just about a month and a half ago, November 18. Daily Wire announces streaming series based on Stephen R. Lawhead's Pendragon cycle. Now, that was a fun one that I found out the next morning and then rushed to put up a news post. I guess uh, these two items, by the way, form uh, the, uh, the kind of political or at least politically adjacent uh, stage of the show here. Here's what we wrote. Last night, cultural conservative fans learned media company The Daily Wire could adapt Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged into a streaming series. Brief editorial insertion here. Ayn Rand, boo. Tried to Fountainhead. It was a class. It was like the only libertarian instructor amongst a sea of leftists in the poli sci department. Great guy. We're still Facebook friends. But man, I did not like this book. Oh, was it preachy? Oh, was it prolonged? Oh, was it selfish? Like by designed. Her philosophy objectivism is designed to uh, sacralize selfishness, and I don't really get into that. Anyway, okay, wow. You know, I get into that stuff. Anyway, but for Christian fantastical fiction fans, the buried lead is actually this. Daily Wire co-CEO Jeremy Boring also announced a slate of major projects in development, including an exclusive option to develop and produce feature film and television series adaptations for all six books in Stephen R. Lawhead's The Pendragon Cycle. Boring elaborated in a November 17 live stream, quote, while Atlas has shaped the worldview of millions of people around the globe, there's a series of books that I read as a teenager that more than any other helped shape my worldview. It's based on perhaps the most impactful myth in the Western tradition, the legend of King Arthur, and it's called the Pendragon Cycle by Stephen R. Lawhead. And today I'm beyond thrilled to announce that the Daily Wire Plus has secured the rights to this unbelievable work. This is an incredible story about the fall of the Roman occupation in Great Britain and the rise of Christianity in the blood-soaked pagan islands, British Isles. It's the most ambitious thing we've ever set about to do. And it's going to be incredible, and it's going to premiere on Daily Wire Plus in 2023. End quote. Uh, we remarked, as Stephen R. Lawhead's The Pendragon Cycle combines Arthurian legends with Atlantis myths and early Celtic lore into a six-part historical fantasy epic. Released between 1987 and 1999, the saga explores themes of love, friendship, and destiny. That was the news article, and it left me with some of the same questions you may be thinking now, and we had a lot of comments about that too, mostly, oh, please, please get this right. Uh, my question was like, okay, so so like, it takes a long time to shoot a TV show or a movie uh, for an established company, but uh, this company, which is mostly uh, you know conservative punditry over podcasts, has only recently gotten into movies. And if I remember right, half the movies they've released have been uh, obtained from other filmmakers who are just searching for uh, distribution partners. So is this a distribution partnership and another uh, uh, creative group, a company has already made the show? Uh, if so, why have we heard anything about it? Uh, this takes a lot of time to put together. Uh, did he misspeak when he said 2023? Because it's now 2023 and the clock is ticking. It takes a long time to do this stuff, especially if you're going to try to do it right. Like this sounds really ambitious, like hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe like Game of Thrones type stuff, or for that matter, Rings of Power type stuff. Uh, and uh, some would say you don't want a Rings of Power result. You want to do the uh, the series justice, or maybe you do want a Rings of Power result. I don't know. Trying to play it down the middle here, folks, trying to be kind. But I guess I'm a little mixed negative. I'm a little skeptical. Uh, I just, I'd like to hear more information, especially because he said, what was it up here? He said feature film and television series adaptation. So feature film implies I mean, they're a streaming platform, so they're not going to put it in movie theaters. But television implies something else, like feature film and television. Like, well, what do we mean there? I want more information, and I do need to read these books. I must admit, I've not read them, but a lot of people have read them. And that's why this short piece really took off. That's why we want to do more news in 2023, because this piece is barely five weeks old, and it's already made uh, the top 10. I saw a lot of people sharing it. 
So we'll brace ourselves for more news about the Pendragon Cycle uh, TV series. So let's see, let's see what's going on with that. Let's go to sponsor three for this episode. Uh, this is Brian Timothy Mitchell's equally awesomely covered uh, novel, Infernal Fall. Uh, a lot of fire in the uh, book covers uh, during this round of sponsors. Uh, I don't think there was any fire for Silver Bounty, but there was a great sword uh, and a lot of great flourishes there. It also looks great. Uh, Brian Timothy Mitchell's novel, Infernal Fall, uh, starts like this. Despite falling into hell, Daniel Strong is alive. A demon coaxes him deeper and plans to take him to Satan. Hell and its many horrors weigh heavily on Daniel. His hopes decay, but the Holy Spirit remains with him. Will he give in to the darkness? Will he find his way home? Infernal Fall is a modern twist on Dante's Inferno. Grab your copy today and discover if there is a way out of hell. I'm guessing there is a way out of hell, but you'll have to grab your copy and find out how it is for Daniel Strong. There's a paperback at Amazon as well as an ebook. And our show notes here include the, the endorsement from Kirkus Review. And remarkable cast of characters guides readers across a terrifying but compelling landscape. To get the full notes, you go to lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. It should be at or near the top. Or for the basic link, go to our show notes for episode 143 at lorehaven.com. Either way, lots of medieval stuff going on there. I'm going from uh, Arthurian legend and the fall of Britain uh, to uh, Dante's Inferno inspired book here. And that leads us to our final four of for the 2022 top 10 articles at lorehaven.com. All right, here's another one where I don't want to linger, especially because it's just me in the studio. And with a topic like this, you may actually want a mixed group of mature folks, uh, including Marion Jacobs, the author of our uh, fourth most popular article of 2022. Uh, here, here's the headline. It's not clickbait, but when you start with the word sensual, it just kind of does what it says on the tin, but it's also, uh, you know, it can be pretty appealing. Sensual scenes in fiction pose unique temptations for women. And this is something that Marion's very passionate about, and I don't blame her with some of the things she's had to deal with. For more, just listen. Here's how the article uh, starts. From Twilight to Divergent to our own Lorehaven library of Christian-made fantastical novels, you can find varying doses of sensuality. In fact, the combination of romance and fantastical elements is one of the largest draws for female readers to these genres. Instagram alone features new marketing strategies emphasizing the types of romance readers will encounter rather than plot elements. Check out this enemies to lovers slow burn paranormal romance. Is this morally neutral or might this provoke lust in the majority of female readers? End quote. That is Marion Jacobs, a female reader. I am not a female reader right now. I'm just the messenger. But what a fascinating piece. What an absolutely fascinating piece. And certainly the reason for the concession stand I at the front. Here's the sensitive part, folks. <laughs> Even more than uh, Daily Wire and uh, Rings of Power and stuff like that. This article was controversial and for good reason. Uh, because Marion Jacobs is exploring a type of uh, fantasy imagination that can be very uncomfortable for various uh, reasons. Uh, and it is about uh, what can often be a frankly carnal, as in biblically not allowed form of imagination, come right out and say it here, sexual fantasies, uh, as applied to romance and things like that. Marion has been exploring this topic a lot. I actually reached out to her to ask about uh, some of the ideas uh, that went into this article, uh, as well as the results. And she wrote back a, a little bit longer, but I have time for an excerpt here. She said, I've been told I'm making law and succumbing to purity culture by giving warnings to readers, parents, and writers of the dangers of sexual content in fiction. But the strangest thing is that only Christians make the argument that women are not widely affected by this kind of content. In September 2021, I posted a reel on Instagram that stated, sexual slash sensual content in young adult books is like giving teens softcore porn. The reel went viral, gaining nearly 300,000 views. With this came an overwhelming number of comments from non-Christians stating things like, it 100% is, and it's super healthy too. And teens are going to be sexual regardless. Why are we vilifying sexual content? And God forbid women read erotica. Disgusting. I think that person was being sarcastic. The consensus was that I wasn't being sex positive and that teens are sexual by nature and should be reading porn in order to learn about sexuality in a safe environment. 
And as much as some of these comments were vile, I was struck by how unafraid they were to admit the truth that teens and women are sexual beings that enjoy reading erotica and sensuality. This is the very thing Christian women refuse to admit. But why are some Christians so unwilling to say this? End quote. All right. As a non-woman, definitely Christian, but a Christian non-woman, namely a man, I only have a few thoughts about this. Uh, first off, I think she's onto something here uh, that at least the pagans are honest that, you know, darn right, it's porn and we need more of it. Um, I think that it is, uh, it is, that's bad. It's, it's honest. It's foolish, a fool, but an honest fool. He remains. Uh, I'd rather hear it uh, straight from someone who's just at least uh, willing to admit that. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. And that's what we want. This is the new morality. You guys, you know, uh, in with the porn down with your puritanical nonsense. And that's just the uh, belief that Christians are often confronting. But why are we trying to split the difference? Why, why are we being uh, dishonest about what this is? Uh, that's, that's the point that she's making, and I think that she's on to something. Uh, Christians are certainly vulnerable uh, to embracing this kind of thing, even if it seems safe or family-friendly. It's so weird that this year you have seen so many strange efforts from uh, obviously anti-Christian religious movements. I call it sexualityism, uh, kind of an umbrella term, but this is even the more, most extreme version of that. You've seen these movements to redefine family friendly. Like literally you've got family friendly shows now, which has got naked people running around. Uh, it's disgusting. Uh, and it's intellectually dishonest. Like, dude, if you're going to try to redefine these things, if you're going to try to redefine these fantasies as normal, uh, then just admit that's what you're doing. You know, I, I'd prefer a good, honest foe uh, right before a good, honest brawl. Uh, the person may still be on the side of evil, uh, but at least they're embracing some kind of honor. Uh, for a gentleman's duel there, except they don't believe in gentlemen and gentle ladies. Anyway, moving on. Uh, I have noticed uh, kind of a, a disconcerting trend, and this is all I'm going to say about that. Uh, some Christians uh, who are involved with creative things, not just uh, making books, uh, but making songs, uh, making other things, uh, seem especially vulnerable uh, to tenets of this religion uh, that I call sexualityism. Uh, and that's something that uh, I would like you, faithful listener, to pray for us at Lorehaven because, you know, we're not some big ministry. Uh, you know, we don't do this full time. Uh, a lot of us aren't even, you know, full pu published fiction authors, but you know, we, we love these kinds of stories. We're approaching this as readers. And so we are concerned uh, at the infiltration of anti-Christian beliefs about sex and romance uh, and identity. Uh, that can ultimately turn someone away from Jesus Christ. It may not feel like it now, uh, but this kind of thing creeps in. And I think it has to do with uh, what I mentioned earlier about folks from a particular cultural conservative background uh, who maybe still have some baggage from that. And uh, it may seem like uh, this kind of false religion is uh, a cure or at least a treatment, uh, but I think that ultimately it's a poison. And ultimately, uh, unless someone turns from that, I think that it does endanger uh, the sincerity of someone's faith confession. And for an author who's going in this direction, I think that it will uh, endanger the story. Uh, you're going to end up, uh, just from a marketing perspective, being drawn into that. And the readers are going to want more, more, more of certain kinds of ideas and characters. And an author who goes that way is probably never going to come back. What you win them with is what you have to win them to over and over again. Are you sure that's where you want to go? You're absolutely sure. Anyway, not sure how much we're going to say about this, but it is something that we're aware of, and it is something that seems to affect Christians uh, with, uh, with a bent toward uh, the creative side. Uh, I don't know if it just leaves our minds and hearts vulnerable in the right brain area, the areas of empathy and understanding and compassion and things like that that any good creative person needs. Uh, or for whatever reason, uh, it seems like uh, this is something that opens you up to a very particular mode of attack from the enemy. And by that, I do mean Satan or evil forces. They are active. Uh, they may not behave exactly like they do in a Frank Peretti novel, but I'd wager that uh, the author emeritus Frank Peretti was onto something more than we might like to admit. All right. Speaking of authors, that was a challenge, but here is something I get to offer for free and otherwise, uh, because the number three most popular page at Lorehaven for 2022 was our author resources page. So I don't have to do a pitch here. It's uh, it's totally by the math, folks. Uh, this was our site's third most viewed page uh, for 
all the stuff that we offer to Christian authors of published fantastical novels. Here's what that page says, linked in the show notes, of course. We are reaching thousands of readers and podcast listeners. These are not just other writers. These are new fans, kids, young adults, and grownups who enjoy Christian-made fantastical novels. We share specific reader, listener, and social media fan totals in our advertising guide available upon request. How can we share your stories with new fans? We'd love to help you reach our readers in one or more of these methods. You can request a Lorehaven review, sponsor the podcast or website, add your novel to the Lorehaven library, and or send any other comments or questions. All those links are the author resources page. Of course, uh, you're listening to this on the podcast. You hear the sponsors. And if you're an author or have something else to pitch, you may wonder, hey, how can I do that? We'll go to author resources. You can find out. Uh, we've got a guy standing by who can help you with that. And then uh, I'm waiting in the wings as well to help out with the details, uh, especially if you've never advertised on a podcast before. It's fun. It's easy. It's educational. You don't have to read anything on a microphone. Uh, get more information there. Uh, we also do the reviews. Our volunteer team steps forward with that. Uh, reviews are chosen by us. But there's other ways that you can uh, get your story's name out there if you're an author sponsoring not only the podcast, uh, but also the website. We've got uh, banner images going on there. And then, of course, there's the uh, Lorehaven Library. Uh, people are adding books to that all the time. Uh, you don't add the whole book. It's just the details and cover about the book. And then we can put it on our cyber shelves and then redirect any questions to places where folks can actually buy that book. And for any other comments or questions uh, similar to what we say at the end of every podcast, you can reach out to podcast at lorehaven.com or use that comment box uh, at the website, the lorehaven.com author resources page. All right, we're moving in for the close. Our next one, I'm actually going to group uh, together with the final one. Our second most popular page was the fantastical answers to questions page. FAQ at Lorehaven. It's the about uh, tab there. Actually, we changed the about to say news, but you can still find it there. Uh, and then the most popular page, of course, was the homepage. So that's where I just get to close with an altogether pitch for all of lorehaven.com. Uh, this is a mission update about why we do what we do. This comes from that answers page. What is the chief end of Lorehaven? Lorehaven helps Christian fans explore fantastical stories for Christ's glory, fantasy, science fiction, and beyond. Articles, the library, reviews, podcasts, and the Lorehaven Guild community help fans discern and enjoy the best Christian-made fantastical stories, applying their meanings to the real world Jesus Christ calls us to serve. Subscribe free to get any updates you choose and to access the Lorehaven Guild. We have a little more information there about our Sacred Scrolls faith statement. I was kind of talking about that earlier when it comes to uh, some of these uh, temptations, some of these false ideas going on out there uh, that can tempt all of us in different ways. Uh, our, our faith statement, which we put together, actually, we just refreshed it at the top of uh, last year, actually, uh, with help from uh, pastors and other uh, spiritual guides there, uh, biblical Christian spiritual guides, don't want to sound too new age. Uh, everybody's on the up and up there. That's our faith statement. Uh, that's the document that uh, shapes our creative team. Uh, do we apply that rigorously to uh, every author who submits a book to the library or for review? Uh, no, uh, but if someone is professing to be a Christian, uh, we are going to assume in good faith, hopefully, uh, that they are a confessing member of their local church that does have a, a biblical uh, confession statement of some kind. Uh, if someone turns on us, well, <laughs> not sure what we'll do there. Uh, we know that everybody changes, though, and it's uh, fascinating to keep up with all of these books, though, from a variety of different perspectives. Uh, some folks wonder, hey, if I do it, can I still join the guild if I agree with the faith statement? Like, well, I mean, I don't I can't vet anybody in there. You don't know the state of your heart, uh, but generally we attract the kind of person who wants to, or would at least uh, sign on to 90% of it. Uh, but it is something that Lorehaven staff writers do uh, agree with in order to join uh, the lorehaven.com creative team. Uh, Christian authors whose novels we list or review may affirm comparable Orthodox faith statements, we say, although not necessarily our statement. Uh, by the way, we are hoping uh, to clarify this pretty soon, uh, just because, as I mentioned earlier, you know, authors are on different journeys uh, and we've got a, a book we've reviewed or a page like that, you know, it's something we want to keep an eye on, but also not, you know, we're not going to delete a review if somebody apostatizes or something, uh, but we also want to be faithful to our audience as well as faithful to Jesus Christ. So that comes with some challenges, especially now that we've got more than 250 book reviews at Lorehaven post new ones every Friday. Our book review team is doing fabulously and we're able now to keep up with more books uh, even before they've come out. So we're doing advanced reviews now, folks all at the lorehaven.com homepage, where, as I mentioned earlier, you can subscribe for free 
and choose which updates you want to get especially as we're moving forward into the next year. Uh, we're already planning out the next couple of months of podcasts, got some great topics in the wings, some great guests uh, circling around. Uh, wish I could uh, give more teasers now, but I'd want to give specific dates. And with everybody coming uh, out of the holiday break, uh, we've still got to uh, get some schedules uh, set in stone. So pray for us there. I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, it's going to definitely improve around here once uh, Zach gets back into the studio and we get that kind of... Uh, back and forth a dynamism going on com station uh, let's stop by i gotta pull the uh, drop cloths off of these uh, control panels uh, activate some holograms uh looks like oh yeah 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 there's some backed up notifications over there um fun fact for you in the science fiction future uh the com stations uh the uh, the consoles on your spaceship are still going to run according to uh, mobile uh computer operating system rules and you're just going to have that notifications thing at the top right and it's always going to show more notifications we had a lot of feedback from listeners about our, uh, our Hobbit uh, retrospective uh, with Rillian, uh, as well as uh, Zach's and my exploration of Christmas gifts and the gifts that we got that uh, ended up being uh, more like tools and not toys, helping us uh, not just to be distracted by entertainment as kids, although that's great too, but also to grow into a mature adulthood, embracing our callings that God has given us. Lots of great thoughts about that. However, I'm already running long, so we might save those for our next episode. But if you had great thoughts about this episode, uh, email, once again, podcast at lorehaven.com. That's the uh, address that most folks who listen to the podcast, you'll just hear that kind of exclusively. So we'll trust you won't spam us uh, or tag us on the socials. Uh, we're on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter uh, at Lorehaven to search for Lorehaven. You can find us there. Uh, and of course, if you are in the Lorehaven Guild community, we have the, uh, the studio behind the scenes. Uh, you can post any of your questions there or in the topic for this episode. Next on Fantastical Truth, for fantasy franchises, 2022 was, as I mentioned, kind of rough. It was a rough year, folks. Can't sugarcoat it here. From Middle-Earth madness to not-so-secret Disney agendas to yet another creative disaster threatening to destroy the DC multiverse or save it. I'll give you that. Maybe you're more optimistic. I am not. Either way, fans of many of these franchises have gone through some grieving. Don't know what else to call it. So what were the top threats to fantasy fandoms in 2022? And how should Christians view the grief process after it seems that these corporations are determined to destroy these amazing fantastical worlds? That's our next episode on Fantastical Truth. Meanwhile, hopefully we got your favorite story on there. If you track Lorehaven, you read our stuff, uh, then maybe there is one here that uh, provoked you a little bit. Now, maybe you had some pushback about it. Maybe you never heard it before and you have some pushback now. Or maybe this content uh, actually helped encourage you. That's our real point here. Uh, any of the controversial stuff is necessary, but not the point. Uh, we do not want to just discern the darkness. We want to illuminate the light. Uh, both of those are biblical commands, but we are mostly commanded to glorify Jesus and enjoy him forever. That is the goal. And we view all Christian-made fantastical stories that are made with excellence as a great tool of discipleship to help you pursue that goal. New Year's resolution or otherwise, I hope that that is your resolution for your lifetime as we continue to seek and find Christ's fantastical truth.